The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Round two is here, and round one is here because I was going to say we're we're, we're not done with we're not done with round one yet, but okay. <laughs> it's sort of like you know the NHL right now is sort of like living in New England. It was ninety degrees a couple of days ago. It no, was forty-seven degrees yesterday morning when I left my house. Oh yeah, forty-seven on the second to last day of May. Yes. And quite, quite, quite not the weather I was expecting. I mean, then again, so were a lot of people. I mean, it's Memorial Day weekend. They're going out expecting that it's going to be nice barbecues, run off to the Cape, this, that, and everything else. Absolutely. No, wait, it's 40 degrees. It's rainy. <laughs> and it's expected to be right through tomorrow. Yes, and then the day after the long weekend, oh, wait, it's going to bounce back up to 75 and sunny. <laughs> Correct. Um, and in place of having a clean start to the first round, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs have once again proved they can't control a series and allowed the Les Habitants de Montreal to linger around. And uh, I think people are underselling the Canadians. Humble I, 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 them. In, in overtime, yes. because they put on their rope-a-dope routine mm-hmm. and legit probably spent 13 and a half of the 15 minutes and 15 seconds it took uh, Cut Kanemi to score uh, the game winner in their own zone. And most of the rest was probably in the neutral zone. I I genuinely don't believe they spent more than 75 seconds in in the offensive zone last night. Well, I genuinely do not believe it. I was flipping as, back and forth between games. Okay. Literally every time I looked, literally every time I looked, they were on. The, they were in the defensive yeah. zone. As previously stated prior to the show. Um, perhaps that's their way of playing defense because. I've just never – I don't like Toronto's idea of defense. I feel bad for Jake Muzzin. Didn't he have a goal last night, or was that in the previous game? Uh, Brody scored yesterday, so it might have been the previous game. I just feel bad for Jake Muzzin because it, as far as I can tell, he's the one player that's listed as a defenseman that actually plays the position. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, Muzzin and probably Brody, but the rest uh, highly suspect at best. So perhaps the Sheldon Keefe's plan is, OK, we're just going to clutter the defensive zone with players so that they don't have shooting lanes. <laughs> don't I don't know, this. but it seems to be working. <laughs> well, they're going to a game seven and. Uh, as previously predicted, uh, I've got Montreal in seven, so I'm still on track. <laughs> Indeed you are. Um, biggest story of the week right now. Um, slipped out late last night and was uh, is something that uh, I'm both 
somewhat surprised to see and not surprised to see. Um, I don't think I'm surprised if you're talking about the story. I think you are. Oh, that's definitely the story I'm talking about. I couldn't wait to talk about it once I once I noticed or what was going on. I don't but think Seth I'm Jones. Su- <clears throat> yeah, I don't think I'm surprised at this. Seth Jones has apparently notified the the team, the Columbus Blue Jackets, that he intends to test free agency. Poor Yarmo, he's got to deal with this for a year. Uh, you know what? <laughs> if I'm Yarmo, I'm starting trade talks now. He's healthy. That's, I just say that's left. The, that's the one downfall of that's the one downfall of notifying the team this early is that yes, Kika Linen can actually start active. I, I don't know about actively, but passively shopping him around. Maybe you put a bug in a few people's ears. I don't know if that's actually a downside to Seth. I he, mean, he's that he's, team is not good. Yes. This is true. The coach is gone. The coach that he spent the bulk of his career under. Um, and, and can you look at that team? 31-year-old Cam Atkinson, uh, 31-year-old Zach Delpe, whoever he is. Um, a The two goaltenders who are good when healthy. And say, yeah, we're winning. We're just come back healthy next year, and guarantee we make it to the conference finals. No, that team conference finals. The only way they're getting to the conference finals with this roster is by buying buy a ticket. Yeah, I was going to ask you if you were like taking your medication or something. Conference Uh, finals, first round, no. The first, making it out of the first round would be an amazing accomplishment for this roster. Making the first round. they got to make the playoffs first. And realistically, assuming pre-COVID alignment, are they the seventh or eighth best team in this? Uh, I don't know. Actually, I don't even think there's a ninth best team. I didn't say it's currently constituted. East. I don't believe so. As previously constituted, because we can take the four teams, uh, we can take <coughs> Montreal, Toronto, who are normally in the East. They'd be better. The four teams that made it um, from the this year's uh, Eastern Division, Eastern Conference, that's six. Add the Rangers, that's seven. You add... <coughs> You have uh, the three, the two Florida teams, and Carolina, mm-hmm. and then the New York Rangers. That sounds like like that's like nine, ten teams, of which maybe on paper in an eighty-two game season, they're better than Montreal. I I don't even know if I'd go that far, but maybe. It might be a it might be a battle, but I, I don't even know if I go that far. I think that Montreal has a lot of good young up um, up, up young upcoming talent. Or I mean, it's already there. I mean, Kotkaniemi is only going to get better. Uh, Caulfield, yeah, Suzuki, Suzuki. Uh, Jake Evans. That's that's uh, Alexander Romanov. 
there's a lot of good youth on that team but that's from, only going to improve. But from what we've seen, we don't we never know what to predict from Patrick Line, and he's only 23. Max Domi is currently on what his fourth or fifth team. Yes. Um, cause yeah, he's gone from the coyotes. It's only his third team, but well, he went coyotes to Canadians to the Jackets. Columbus and the, the trade for Domi, uh, the, the Canadians getting Anderson back in the deal was, um, yeah, Robert. Canadians won that deal. Um, <laughs> But Eric Robinson, is, is he going to carry the franchise or maybe Emil Bernstrom? Emil Bernstrom? No, but I, I think the – no. I, so what you're saying, what I'm saying – Is Montreal better than Columbus? Say, <laughs> is I don't see a future where I win a cup by the time I'm 30 or have a chance to win a cup by the None. time I'm 30. Not in Columbus, not without Tortorella, and not the way the team's currently made up, no. They would need to do amazing things. Yes. Amazing things this offseason. But he has a modified no-trade clause, 10 teams he can submit uh, not to be traded to um, that runs through the end of his contract. That's reasonable control, but not full control. So he can basically say, I'm not going to any of these bottom feeders. And I don't necessarily want to play in that area. Now, he could put all of Canada and Detroit (laughs) and um, Arizona on his list and still have room for one or two other teams. Personally, I don't think that California is a healthy place for his career at this moment, but given his salary, given his salary, even for one year, if you get to the end of the play, if the playoffs end and you're the Vegas Golden Knights and you are not Stanley Cup champions, you better be making that phone call. Like, yeah, (laughs) you're you get eliminated or the season ends with you in the Stanley Cup finals and someone else raising the cup. That needs to be the first phone call even before you decide on your coach. And I'm not exaggerating. This is probably the best player available dollar for dollar right now. And if Yarmo Kikalainen is in any way bright, he's been told. I don't want to play here anymore. Assuming the story is true. He's been told, I don't want to play here anymore. What does he do? What should he do? Get him out while he's healthy. Uh, Get him out before he becomes a distraction. And get yourself, get yourself the most assets possible. Uh, I was just looking at Vegas's roster, and there's a lot of money there. There's a lot of money there, yes. And honestly, this is a great. If this, it, it's it's terrible to lose talent at this level, 
but they have three first round picks in the 2021 draft. They have their own, they have uh, Tampa's <laughs> and they have Toronto's. So they're picking three times. They potentially are picking three times in that first round. If they trade out or pick up uh, someone in the off season, that's, that's different, but they could pick up two additional first round picks for next year. And maybe depending on what they do, whether they go heavy picks and one or two roster players just to get the rebuild built, they could end up with multiple first round picks three years in a row. Like, I don't think it's unreasonable given his age, his stamina, his raw ability to ask for two first round picks, a second and a, B, a, a good prospect, not necessarily an A prospect, but someone who projects to at least hit the NHL and play 100 games. Okay. I don't think that's unreasonable. I'm not saying it's not. I, it's, it's perfectly reasonable. I'm trying to figure out how many teams have the assets to make the deal. <laughs> the scrambling for that deal, like the scrambling for that deal, particularly among contenders, should have already begun. And for that matter, even among non-contenders, you know which team should be absolutely first in line to run people through the wood chipper if they have to in order to make roster in order to make cap space? Nashville. No. <laughs> Buffalo. It, Seth Jones is not going to Buffalo. It probably not. But hear me out. I'll hear you out, but. He's not Jack going to Buffalo. Jack Eichel, Jeff Skinner, Sam Reinhardt, uh, mm-hmm. Tom, uh, Tage Thompson, mm-hmm. Casey Middlestad. Yeah. Rasmus Ristolainen, who despite all of the dumping on him that Buffalo fans do, is... I don't know how he's still there. I think he's there. in the top 10 for uh, points by a defenseman uh, since... Since 2017, uh, I will look that back up. Uh, I, I just don't know how Ristolainen manages to stomach staying there with the complete disdain that they have for him. Uh, maybe he – okay, he's 19th in scoring since the start of the 20, 2017 season. Mm-hmm. He's played 430 games, which is more than most of the people ahead of him. Um, he's got shorthanded goals. He averages, what, 24, 25 minutes a night? 24, 18. Uh, No, actually, Restalinen has uh, averages 24, 51. Fun fact. 24, 25 minutes a night. The two, uh, Restalinen and Jones are actually back-to-back on the scoring list. Um, Jones has a few few less games and a few more points. Uh, They both play around 24 minutes. They're both right shot defensemen, which mm-hmm. means if you can find someone else to play with these two, you have it your top four set for 50 minutes a night, 50 minutes a night. Do you know what having your top four set for 50 minutes a night is going would do for a franchise like Buffalo? It, would uh, it might it might move them up from the basement to slightly under playoff contender. 
it's it's not going to move. I don't think that just Seth Jones is going to move the needle in Buffalo. But and here's the Seth thing. Jones is going to want to go somewhere where he's going to, and Buffalo is not going to get him. Buffalo is not going to get him. I know. I know, I know, I know. No, they're not going to get him in Norris Trophy. Unfortunately, he's got to go somewhere where either they're winning or making Anyways. the playoffs, or he's got to go to a large market where he's going to get recognized so that he can get rewarded for his ability. I mean. I wasn't even, and you said it before the show, you weren't even aware that he was uh, finished second in 2018. Okay. Here's another city which would make absolutely marvelous use of him based on who we know is there. And he would be the star. So, uh, no disrespect to a certain 24-year-old center who both of us pretty much, who both of us like. Um... No disrespect to uh, a couple of guys who were traded there at the deadline. But after the coach, Seth Jones would be the biggest star on the island. Barry Trotz, Seth Jones. There's a better shot of him going to the island than there is going to Buffalo. You, you seem put to be him stuck out in a there. New, you seem to be stuck in a New York state of mind, which is okay, but you put him out there with uh with Letty, Pollock, Pellick, uh, and Hickey. And you've got the younger guys as well. You've got Mayfield, you've got uh well, Mayfield isn't necessarily that young, but he's younger than three of the four three of the other guys with term left. Uh you still get Noah Dobson. Um you've got the other Sebastian Ajo. Uh, yeah, and you've not, got not that one, not that one. <laughs> yeah. and you've got the now 307 year old Andy Green. Um, and then you have Anders Lee coming back uh, next year at some point. Tell me that's not compelling. Seth Jones, Barry Trotz and he automatically one of the big your most, he automatically becomes your most expensive defenseman. That's for sure. That's okay. No, I'm not. I'm just saying. I, I mean, when you said Vegas, I went and looked, and you've got Shea Theodore and Alex Petrangelo who are making huge money. Most of the forwards are making fair to decent, large salaries. I don't. That's why I was questioning whether Vegas could get him because I don't know if they could fit him under the cap without getting rid of a lot of people. Because everybody they've got is actually signed through at least next season. And one other team that I think makes a whole bunch of sense, and they're not in New York. But just imagine, just imagine the three best defensemen on this team. On, on the island? Jones, Schmidt, and Hughes. Vancouver? Vancouver. Just not going to Vancouver either. Why? Brock Besser, Bo Horvath, JT Miller. I've said Brandon it, yes, Cutter, I've Tanner said it countless Pearson, times. I Jake like Bertanen. I've said it countless times. I like it, the youth that they've got. I like that Travis Green is there. This year, I don't know what happened this year. Uh, Their season if he was, was too compressed. They had, didn't they have two COVID outbreaks? 
Yeah, that was yeah. They they were bad up there. Yeah, they it, it, they had two of them, and they had nineteen players players who were sick at one point. Yes. And yes, they're young. Yes, they're athletes. But when you start, when your ability to breathe becomes compromised, and breathing is, I don't know, thirty five percent of your phys- of your of hockey. Um, your cardio conditioning, it's a big factor. Um, yes. I mean, if you were to go there, yeah, he's, he's the piece because you've got Alexander Edler, who's 35. If he goes there, he becomes, yeah, he becomes their number one because Myers is not a number one. Schmidt played a number one when he was in Vegas because they didn't have a choice. He had to be the number one. But you so still can get Quinn he, Hughes there too. Can he do it? Quinn Hughes is not a number one defenseman, and he went to Michigan. And I'm saying that he could be he could be on your top pair, but he's not your number one defenseman. He's got to be paired with somebody like he's got to be paired with somebody who can stay at home. Quinn Hughes is more offensive minded. I don't see him as a stalwart defensive defenseman. He's not he's not going to be. He needs somebody like Adler who can stay at home. He needs somebody like Seth Jones who's, who can stay at home. Quinn Hughes is not your number one defenseman. Top pairing. Actually, a Hughes-Jones pairing yeah. could work. Hughes is a light left defenseman. Well, he, well, Jones Quinn, is a right defenseman. Well, it also – I mean, it worked in – it worked in Columbus because he was paired up with another Michigan defenseman there. So, you know, <laughs> you know that that other kid that wears number eight, Zach Wierenski. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. Well, that's Columbus, not. That's not what I said. It, he, I said it could work in Vancouver because he was pa- he's paired up with a Michigan defenseman in in currently uh, with with Zach Wierenski. Um. And I don't see it happening. You don't see it happening. I don't think it. I don't think he's going to Vancouver, though. I mean, but Boston does Vancouver pretty much out of the out of the question. Boston's out of the question. I, I because I'm the GM ruling, wouldn't make the move. It, it, that and that's exactly where I was going to go. It has nothing to do with whether we have the capital or not. It has to do with the GM. I don't think that Don Sweeney is that forward thinking. Although <laughs> I have to give him credit, he pulled off the Hall deal, and Hall has been a huge fit here. Yeah, but Hall wanted to be here. Hall, had, Hall was trying to sign him in the offseason when, guess what? Don't we have get it done. Yes, that's true. Don't we have a story that kind of goes along with that, like a segue? We have two stories wink, that go wink. along with that. Um, <laughs> during the uh, – or just ahead of the trade deadline, um, it's reported – that Seth Hall deep sixed a trade to the Vegas Taylor Hall. Golden Knights Seth, or Taylor Seth Hall. Hall. Now now we're wow. combining the two players. <laughs> <laughs> they are Voltron. <laughs> exactly. Um, Taylor Hall next to trade to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, I have loved just about every minute of Taylor Hall. In a Boston Bruins uniform. Yeah, I can't. I'm having difficulty with good reason. Finding, finding anything bad to say about the deal. So, <laughs> but let's face it. As far as 
odds of winning the cup, odds of getting that notoriety of collecting a ring. Yeah. Business-wise, by the pure numbers, Taylor Hall may have made a very bad decision. Really? One, we did not know, or he did not know at the time of the trade, who else was coming to Boston, if anyone. Well, I'm I'm assuming he would know that Curtis Lazar was coming because he he was part of the same deal. Not before the trade. I I really doubt they said, yeah, we're going to send Curtis Lazar so there's at least one friendly face in their locker room. No, but they were all part of the. But they were part of the same deal. It wasn't like two separate Buffalo deals. It was all one. I know deal. that, but he doesn't know that until the deal is announced. If he has already vetoed the Toronto, uh, the Edmund, or wow, I'm bad today. The trade <laughs> to Vegas, where he doesn't, he probably he may know one or two players, <laughs> but not well. But okay. he's already said no to that where they have a great roster. Admittedly, we don't know where he was going to fit in, and everyone who's paid any attention to hockey in the last three years knows that the target for of a trade acquisition was always for Krejci's line. So top six minutes, pretty much guaranteed here, unless you came in and stank by the numbers. But Vegas is a better team on paper than the Boston Bruins. So from a standpoint of winning a cup, he made the wrong choice? I think so. Really? He came because to an aging team where Bergeron's closer to retirement than... Yep. And Krejci's closer to retirement. And yep. And the defense is young and green, and several of them can legitimately say to you, Taylor Hall, hey, I used to watch you growing up. <laughs> Because Jeremy Lozon can legitimately say that to him. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, they got they got some young defensemen. Brandon Carlo can legitimately say that to him. Um, Zaboral can legitimately say, "Hey, I used to watch you when I was a kid," and for that matter, so can Charlie McAvoy. But Taylor uh, Taylor Hall made it uh, – he, he's made it clear in interviews Multiple. since that Boston was his desired destination. He wanted yes. to come here. It's not like – Look, he, he went with his heart, and he's done well. He has. I, I, I do not regret as a hockey fan first or a Bruins fan second him making the choice to come here and the deal getting done. But from a purely pragmatic business point of view, it was risky. Sure, if he'd gone to Buffalo, there's a chance he'd have been playing third line. If he went to Buffalo or if he went to Vegas? Vegas. He was in Buffalo. I remember team names at all right now. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. Yes, if he, went, if he went to Vegas, he's not cracking the top line, just like here. He wasn't going to be a top line guy because they've got their three Set it, bent it, together it, as long as the franchise has. Exactly. So he's not cracking that line. Could he crack the second line in Vegas? 
Mm. Well, rem- you have to remember Patches was out for quite some time. Uh, so he might have slid in in Pacioretty's spot. And honestly, the idea of him and Pacioretty together, I mean, him and Carlson together, uh, pretty compelling. Um, I, I got a quote here from a it's from a different story, but I mean, he he said this to ESPN. I don't even know what I don't even know what my worth is right now, honestly. Um, that alone is an exciting soundbite for the Bruins, which would like to bring Hall back for more manageable cost. And he he wrote, "I do want to play here, not just for one or two more years. Hopefully, longer than that. I was eager to join a playoff team." I was eager to join somewhere that had good culture and where winning was sustainable because I was looking for somewhere I could re-sign, not just the 20 games to the end of the season. I've been surprised at how much better it's been than I even thought it was. It showed me how fun hockey can be. So hopefully it all works out. He wants to be a Bruin. I mean, yes, okay. His agent is Bobby Orr. Uh, That would be Mr. Bruin or one of many Mr. Bruins because yes, you've got uh, Esposito and Bork and uh, you know, it, the list is long and distinguished, but when your agent is Bobby Orr and you wanted to play for the team since, I don't know, he'd probably be in a kid or something. You know, I understand that the guys are getting older, but if he can somehow get, Krejci to play another one or two years. Yes, he's getting older. Krejci's not fast. He's, but he's still a distributor of the puck. He's still one of the best passers in the league. Yes. Like, I will make the argument that he is one of the five best at, and that's at five, five as a low bar. One of the five best passers in the past 30 years of the NHL. Is that a big statement? Yeah. But go ahead and name me five better. I'll start the list for you. Of guys that I would consider as good or better. Okay. Adam Oates. (laughs) Oh, wait, you're talking about guys who aren't playing anymore. I thought you meant in the league now. (laughs) Oh, in the league now? No, there's not five better, period. But in the past 30 years of because yes, um, I would definitely say Adam Oates. His 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 vision, his, his the way he saw the ice. I mean, there there's not a whole lot of guys who see the ice that way. It, it just as as spaces and putting pucks right where they need to be, not where they not where the man is now type of thing. But where he's going to be. Um, so we're actually going back 30 years instead of the normal 20. Uh, I think it's pretty safe to put Wayne Gretzky in the same conversation. Okay. Because he didn't retire until 99. Um, I would put Joe Thornton in the conversation because I have seen him drop passes through like nine sticks, 12 legs, and just get it on someone's stick without even looking. It's absolutely vulgar. Um, I would put Mark Savard on the list 
because I've seen him do the same thing. Mark Savard was literally a wizard, and I suspect, and I occasionally suspected uh, telekinesis instead of him actually just using the stick. Um, especially considering that of all of these guys, all of them, as much as we loved him, Mark Savard was clearly the least athletic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the list ends there. The list ends there. Okay. I go ahead. I, I, I invite every single person listening to us to tweet us, email us, whatever their list of people that they think are better distributors of the puck. And I'm not just talking about pure racking up assists when you have 50 goal scorers on your wing, because I like Nick Backstrom down in <clears throat> down in uh, Washington. But if you're going to tell me he's on Crazy's level. I'm going to tell you to put down the crack pipe and step away from the acid. Um, <laughs> oh, neither Stamkos nor Kucherov nor Point, they're not at that level. They're great. As much as I have been one of Patrice Bergeron's biggest fans since he landed in Boston, mm-hmm. I don't think he's at that level. He does other things so ridiculously well. And so consistently that it almost doesn't matter. Oh, goodness. Did you hear them? The, the amount of. Yeah, I, I don't know. The term is shade, apparently. I'm, I, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be. Uh, the amount of love that they were showering on Bergeron, the, the announcer saying that he, one of the best all time. And he's like the perfect hockey. Untrue. They called him the perfect hockey player. It's not untrue, but the praise, and admittedly, it's nice to have it evenly distributed because they were praising both teams last night. Yes. But the praise overall and and the content uh, and the like um, criticism was so over the top that I nearly muted the station like they talked about Brad Marchand starting a scrum after the whistle. Like he had legitimately attempted to decapitate someone on the ice. Um, they use that word for the line, though. Uh, yeah, I. A lot. I've just given up on it. In fact, I, Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz, trying to do his best Bill Belichick impersonation, where you don't give the other team locker room material. Yeah. And. Barry Trotz even said, you know, they got that perfection line over there. And then it's like, could we stop with the perfection line? <laughs> it's it, look, they're going into the hall of fame with that. Like, no, look, they're going into the hall of fame with that name. No, I hate it. It's awful. <laughs> it's, it's anti hockey to actually call a line perfect because they're not. And and the the, the 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 play by play guy last night after the first goal I think it was the play by play guy I don't think it was Pierre although Pierre was there but I don't think he's the one that said it after they scored like the first goal or after Pasternak's second because he scored the first two and they're like can anybody stop this line I don't think anybody can it's like uh well somebody must have at some point because they didn't go undefeated fifty six and zero. So back to Hall. Yeah. 
I I have zero complaints about his tenure in Boston so far. Yeah. I would uh, we I've said from 2 weeks after the trade deadline, okay, get him inked. But <laughs> he wasn't the only piece that mattered that was brought into Boston. And as many times as I've kicked Don Sweeney between the uprights for doing dumb stuff in the general manager's office. Yeah. He pulled in three pieces that day that I do love Curtis Lazar to anyone paying attention. You could basically hear a major joint popping back into place (laughs) like it had been dislocated because Paul made that second line a viable top six line instead of a borderline top six line or a by default top six line. They are a viable top six line and have at at points outscored the Bergeron line. It's just it 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 brought bringing Hall in brought balance, but bringing Hall and Lazar because Lazar has stabilized the fourth line, centering up. Exactly, it, like that fourth is. line is better than it has been in at least five years. I really like Curtis Lazar, and he's got term. He's got another year on his contract, so he's not going anywhere. And let's, if we rewind ourselves back to the uh, playoff supplemental. I want to say I said on that show that in three years he was the guy most likely to still be here. I still believe that. Curtis Lazar? Yes. Oh, I believe it. I was thrilled when we got him in the deal to begin with. I was the fact that they managed to get him in. I mean, as much as I love bringing in Hall and the fact that somehow he got Kevin Adams to eat half the contract. um, Taylor Hall's, that is. He got yes, fifty percent retention. Hysteric. I don't know. I, I I don't know if Don Sweeney pulled out the book, you know, Idiot's Guide to General Managing, or what. I don't know what he did, but somehow he managed to get Kevin Adams to give us Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar for Anders Bjork, who you liked. I liked him. You liked him more than I did, but I liked him. Uh, but he wasn't really fitting here. He wasn't. No, he he never looked comfortable. Anders Bjork, a second round pick, and oh yeah, by the way, you're keeping 50% of Taylor Hall's salary. Okay, somehow we completely. Clearly, Kevin Adams is a rookie at this GM thing, so. <laughs> I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe there was some ownership involvement on the Buffalo side. Although, since both owners live in Buffalo. Wait, the Pagulas are they are they buddies with the with Jacobs? <laughs> uh, who knows, but. There's then there's the third guy who no one has talked about really in the last couple of weeks. Uh, Mike Riley. Mike Riley is. Do you like him now? Because you didn't like it. You didn't like him. You didn't like the deal at first. I was surprised by the deal, and I think that there were better defensemen available. That's a good possibility. Yeah. But as far as a fit. Mm-hmm. He's come in here, and offensively, he's performed as well as he did the last two seasons in in Ottawa, a season and a half, because he was in Montreal before that. Um, you know, half point per game, which is good for a defenseman, uh, particularly a guy who doesn't score a lot of goals. Yeah, uh, I mean, he played forty goals for forty games for 
uh, Ottawa last or this in the most recent season and had 19 assists, zero goals. He came to Boston in the last 15 games, eight assists, no goals. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, split between uh, Montreal and Ottawa, he played in 44 games, had 36 points. Uh, I'm sorry, had 16 points. Um, so just under half a point per game. He's actually improving slightly year over year, which is nice. Um, his plus minus went up, which is again, a team stat, but he still hasn't scored, but I think he's allowed. I think he's allowed the other players in the top four to play to their strengths more. Okay. Um, I I mean, we're seeing Brandon Carlo joining the rush and scoring (laughs) Brandon Carlo. Wait a minute. I've seen Brandon Carlo joining the rush. I haven't seen him pot one in a little bit, but. Um, Brandon Carlo also doesn't, he doesn't have a point yet this off season. I'm wow. I did not expect to see that. Um, not that he's not that he's in town for his points. He's a defensive defenseman. Um, but towards the end of the season, uh, I want to say he had a couple. Yeah, he got his most recent. Yeah, he got a he got a goal on May sixth, um, and I think he was playing with Riley that night. Uh, and that was one of his first games in quite some time. Yeah. And I know he was out for a bit of games. So it's it's nice to see Carlo joining. I mean, he was he was on the ice for at least one of the goals that was scored. So it's just it's been nice to see Carlo out there and he looks really good. And I think that, yes, Riley might actually give him the freedom to do that. Um, I think it's, I, I think that's, and I think it's the three of them together that have made the trade work, not any one of them, because I don't think that without stabilizing the back end and getting more quality and more experience, not that Riley is a gray beard mascot, but, um, but I think stabilizing the back end mm-hmm. and stabilizing the fourth line allowed everyone else to do the thing. Because remember, we saw guys cycling between the second, the third, and the fourth line all season long. They played more defensemen for the second year in a row than any other team. And it's really it's really nice to see that calm down. Um, and... Let's. Uh, but there's another topic that we definitely want to break into. The Florida and Tampa Bay series didn't end the way that, well, most of the fans on the uh, Atlantic coast would have hoped for. I think they just wanted to see some new blood for one thing. I mean, the surprise that was the Florida Panthers this year it was great. Yeah, well, it, it it certainly made for more exciting um, hockey watching as far as uh, the Panthers. They weren't 
the you they weren't the typical uh they weren't a punching bag for a change. Yes. They weren't they, they weren't the expected uh to come out on the losing end of hockey game. I mean, they they were a nice surprise. I think that a lot of people wanted to see them go further. Unfortunately, yes, they run into Tampa Bay who somehow manages to circumvent <laughs> if if there's a better word, I don't know it. Uh, somehow manages to circumvent the um, the cap cap space. Yes, I don't. It's kind of scary considering that they can have somebody like Kucherov out for a whole regular season and then magically he's ready Surprise! to go. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> and then you know the year before it was Stamkos. Um, who was out for the whole year and played like two minutes of a Stanley cup final game. Um, literally he played, he played, he played three and he did, and he scored a goal and that was the only three minutes he played. Yes. Um, but you know, as weird as that series was in some ways, and you can't discount how big of a loss it was for Ekblad not to be on the ice for Tampa. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, for Florida, um, no, he doesn't have a huge amount of playoff experience, but he's still the rock of that defense. Um, and you have to wonder if the series would have gone differently. Uh, that said, looking at the, I think I got what I wanted out of that series. I didn't. I didn't necessarily love the outcome. But, yeah, I think I mean outside of the fact that yes, you you actually picked that one on the spot. You you Tampa Bay in six. I mean, I picked Florida in six. That was more of an emotional pick. Uh, I I wanted to see Florida win. I I actually wanted to see Florida win, partly because of the newness, and partly because I think it would have been even better for the rivalry. But that's what came out of this series at. Because remember, the two finished the season with two regular season games. Then they played a six-game series, and it got ugly. It legit got ugly. Like, fans went started making the same sort of over-the-top nonsense statements and certain players um, that we're accustomed to seeing between, you know, the two New York teams or Pittsburgh and Philly or, you know, Boston and Montreal. And that's wonderful. That is the best thing for Florida, uh, for both Florida franchises and for the league to happen. Because if Florida can turn into with a much higher population, can turn into a similar sort of powerhouse for producing players that uh, the Ohio uh, slash St. Louis uh, uh, area has. That's huge. We could see we could see a draft where there are 20 players drafted out of the state of Florida. 20 players out of Florida. Mm -hmm. You could see an entire Florida line in the NHL sometime in the near future. OK. But, but the all nice stuff. I was going to say, did you want to talk about the ugliness? Did you? The ugliness <laughs> is stupid ugly. Two of us have liked Ryan McDonough for a very long time. And admittedly, pretty much every player does something enormously boneheaded 
at least once in their career. Mm-hmm. Ryan McDonough seems to have saved up a lot of all of his bonehead uh, points for and this playoff series. <laughs> this playoff series for one getting fined uh, for justifiably, and, and then two him attempting to push uh, Anthony Duclair's head through the boards um, for and which getting he got it. nothing. For which he got a two-minute boarding call, and that was it. There was no follow-up. There was no fine, no suspension. What what bothers me about the whole thing is, okay, it, it, he did board him. If you watch the video, and I showed it to you, it, you watch yeah. the video. He extends his arms. He forces. It is clearly boarding. He's facing the num. He's facing Duclair's numbers. He shoves him into the boards. Nothing happens. Then the next game, we have Duclair, who is, who slashes, and I did air quotes, because it, it is a slash, so I suppose I shouldn't do that. There it was contact a, made with the, with the blade of the stick on the narrow portion. Yes. So he slashes Kucherov. Kucherov goes down as though he's been shot. Um... There was a little bit of a wind-up, but it wasn't like he took two-handed baseball swing at his leg. He just kind of skated by him and, and just, you know, here's a whack. And, okay, I've seen players get whacked like that countless times. It happens a uh, hundred times a game in a regular season, much less a chippy playoff season when you're legitimately – when you legitimately played six-plus games in a row – Against the same opponent. Duclair gets a two minute slashing call and nothing further. He never gets he never gets called to the carpet by the player safety office or or anybody else. However, the fans for Tampa Bay go completely. Um, Ape poop. Yeah. I mean, some of the some of the things I was reading, you know. Oh, he should have at least gotten one game. He should have got this. He should have got that. And didn't Hedman make a goofy statement about it, too? I believe so. Yeah. And I uh, we saw this after last week's show and my statement on the elevation of this sort of complaint to the league, if uh, and I mean this, I 100% mean this. If I were sitting in the office of player safety and the slash by Duclair on Kucherov came across my desk, I would legitimately fly with a camera crew to your location, <laughs> walk up to you, put a pacifier in your mouth, a box of tissues in your hand, and walk away without saying a damn word. I just, I, 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 it's hockey. You don't think that if, if you are a true hockey fan, you watch the series, you see. And then in game five, that's when the fines that you were talking about come out because McDonough cross checks Mason Marchment, Pat Maroon cross checked or uh, Nolachari, and both of them were fined the league maximum. Now, McDonough. I don't recall whether it was he was given anything for his cross check to Marchman, and he got a full five thousand dollar fine. Maroon got a ten minute 
misconduct penalty on top of two minutes for cross-checking or whatever mm-hmm. for his cross-check to Nolachari. So he was fined $3,800 and change, which apparently is the maximum as well because he actually received a penalty or something like that. He didn't get a full $5,000 fine. But those were for Game 5 incidents, which happened after the slash, which, oh, by the way, Kucherov came back for... So he played in Game four for like 14 minutes um oh he had a goal and three assists in that game by the way he was clearly injured for life because he came back in game five and played 18 and a half minutes and didn't have any points career then he destroyed played in, then he played in game six where he played just a shade under 20 and had two assists so clearly the slash that he suddenly couldn't walk and Looked like his leg was going to be amputated, magically healed. Uh, you know what? I'm 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 honestly a bit surprised, given the viciousness of that slash, that his whole lower leg wasn't severed. I mean, just just to ask the Tampa Bay fans. I love Joel Quenville. He's like, yeah, there's nothing there for me. Yeah, no <laughs> hockey play. That's it. <laughs> Joe Quenville like passed it off like, yep, this is a hockey play. Yeah, as he should, and that's <laughs> why a- Joe Quenville is a respected hockey mind uh, and not just another coach. It was just, it was just too funny. He's like, yep, nothing there for me. Nope, it's fine. <laughs> but he comes back out. He plays it. He, it it's clearly it wasn't the the vicious two-handed baseball swing I'm trying to take your leg off slash that everybody made it out to be clearly it was a slash he got his two minutes it was it was in a as they described in the video it was probably to the side of the knee where there's or or in some kind of a soft spot between pads or whatever so yeah it probably stung at the time I'm not. I mean, I played hockey. I've been hitting places where it stings a lot more than in other places on your body. And oh yeah, I and, I have enough knee issues to know that uh, <laughs> contact someplace near an injury is uh, unfun. But it it, it it didn't all of it saddle him for the rest of the series. Didn't saddle him for the rest of the playoffs. He he came back and he played his full time and and and, and life goes on and. But if you're if you're a fan, you recognize that a it's the playoffs. They they will call it if it's serious enough. But something like that, they're not going to err on the side of oh my god, we got to give him a ten minute. You know, okay, it's a two minute miss. It's a two minute penalty. We'll give him two minutes. There you go. You know, they recognize that it's the playoffs. It's got to be a little bit more serious to really get a huge penalty yeah. call. Uh, not 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 the Tampa Bay fans. I mean, they were As they were full just, on going call the police level. Oh Pacioretty. yeah, Zidane Chara, Pacioretty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, just no. The, the Canadians fans that year when they were calling for the 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 police to arrest him for assault and <laughs> legitimately no. And can you imagine being the cop who had to show up to, like, serve that warrant or whatever? Didn't they have to do that? Didn't they serve? Didn't they show up and serve Chara with something? I don't believe they did. I think they spoke to him over the phone or something. Oh, okay. But, 
But like legitimately, if you are in any way a rational adult who has paid any attention to sports in North America in the past 30 years rolling into that time and you get called for to go down and talk to not just a six foot nine monster. (laughs) Uh, Hold on, let me show up in his hotel room. Wait a minute. (laughs) But a guy who speaks multiple languages is known for being, has had multiple coaches criticize him for not being physical enough. And he wasn't even looking in the direction of the person he admittedly hit fairly hard into a poorly constructed area of the rank. That's um, why they that's why they have the rounded glass at the end of the benches now. Oh, absolutely. And that, that's one of the things thing. that came out of that incident was that they've redesigned how the glass goes. And that happened almost instantly too. Um you'd think someone would have seen it before that, but hey, details details. Um but imagine if you're a rational person and you have to go serve this warrant and pretend that it's serious. Like Hey, uh, that routine hockey hit that you made, we need to talk to you about it like it's a very serious attempt to injure somebody. Um, So you try and keep a straight face so that I don't start laughing. um, (laughs) And let's go from here. I mean, the last time I saw anything of a serious nature that required the police to show up, it was Marty McSorley when he hit Donald Brashear in the head with his stick. And... That was honestly the last time I saw any kind of a hit in hockey where you could even come close to yeah, getting the official, getting some sort of law enforcement involved. And even then, there were iffy. even then there were no, but then even then there were player the, the NHL was questioned as to why they didn't, and they were like, "Look, you know, we we handle the." the punishment ourselves and there were fans and there were players who were like, you can't involve the police. You know, we deal with the punishment ourselves. You, you start calling in law enforcement. It changes the whole dynamic. It, it, it makes it impossible to play a physical sport. I mean, you couldn't play football. You couldn't play rugby. You couldn't play, couldn't play lacrosse. You couldn't play field hockey. Um, not in any recognizable form. I mean, are you going to suddenly turn it into a rule that you can't get within stick distance of another player just for everyone's protection? Do you have to have law enforcement on hand in case uh, arrests need to be made because somebody hit somebody else? That's does the, a does whole have to be, can of worms that yeah. never needs to be opened. In fact, it needs to be shot into space and aimed at the bleeding sun. Agreed. Um, so the officials, I guess what I'm saying is the officials handled at least the Duclair incident, the, the, the Duclair slash, the way it should be handled. The McDonough boarding probably could have gotten a five-minute major because mm-hmm. it was, it was, in my opinion, far more serious than the slash that was given to Kucherov. Well, anytime you try and drive someone's head into the fourth row, um, yes, that has to be considered serious. Hopefully McDonough will have uh, used all of his bonehead points for at least the next two or three seasons, and we won't have to talk about a player that both of us like uh, this way again. Uh, agreed. And and that's the other thing that comes into call is, is when have you seen Duclair do something like that before? 
No, and, you and don't. even even McDonough to a point. I mean, uh, McDonough's no. played longer, you but don't. I've never heard of McDonough doing something that required suspending. No, there's a couple of times where you wanted to say, "What the bleep were you thinking?" With like maybe an open ice hit that was a little off of where it should have been, or you know, but like that level, no, that was egregious. Um. Yeah, I just I I, I think that everything and I, I don't know. I think it worked out the way it should have. Nobody was given anything serious and. Um. So I uh, on this topic, I think that there's something the league can correct for the playoffs and for the playoffs only. Okay. I may have written about this uh, on Puck Sage before my entire blog got eaten. Um, yours and mine. Huh? I said yours and mine. My blog suddenly. Uh, I think that for the playoffs, digested. for the playoffs, for the playoffs only, uh-huh. a new rule for penalization oh, is. Cool. I like this. Um, is something that should be considered. Intra-game penalization. Intra-game? Yes. So, uh, if there's a if there's a penalty or a, a an event that probably should have been called as a major or a game misconduct, uh, something that's clearly an embellishment that drew a penalty or some other attempt to injure in, say, game two of a series when the league has a chance to review it, they can enforce that penalty in place of fine or suspension, or maybe with fine and suspension in game three. Okay. And where is this coming from or what's brought this on? I, I think that it's, I think that it's one of those, I think it's one of those things that you can do to smooth out the well beyond normal hockey play. Stupid that you occasionally see creeping into series. Um, because, you know, take, take the, uh, take McDonough's boarding. Yeah. That should have been a five. It did Duclair get up. Yes. Slowly, very slowly, but that should have been a five. If he had gotten a five for it in the next game and had to serve it. Um, I think it's I think the series is a little bit calmer and a little more just. The argument you're going to get on something like that, though, is that each game is, in a sense, its own entity and affecting one game with the now concluded results from a previous game. But injuries happen. And when you take a player out of a game, whether it's for 10 minutes while they run to the trainer's room and change their jersey and get the blood uh, stopped or sit, go for sit in 15 minutes in the dark room, you're also impacting a game. But you're impacting the same but you're impacting the same game in which the infraction happened. Yes. It, OK. In the in the sense of do, in, in the in the. In the incident of Duclair and McDonough, McDonough boards him, and instead of getting up, albeit slowly, 
he he doesn't get up at all and he doesn't come back for the next game, then do you I mean if for some reason Duclair can't play in the next game, then do you pass on this intrapenalization? Or I, I mean, does it have to have some sort of residual effect from the other from the previous game for the injured team? I, I think it simply has to be a major level penalty. Mm-hmm. Because we're not talking about double minors for high sticking or unsportsmanlike conduct for uh, whatever, a trip or a slew foot or something like that. An intent to injure level penalty, um, even, even Orlov's leaving his feet to dismantle uh, Kevin Miller, Kevin Miller, who still hasn't played since then. Uh, should have been should have resulted in a major and or game misconduct. And I was the told other I was half wrong about that, though. I uh, and I'm not saying by you, I'm just saying by other people on Twitter, I actually got into a Twitter disagreement with somebody he over left his feet to make a high hit. That was my argument was that he had left his feet, but because he didn't make contact with the head, even though there was a headbutt, but he wasn't trying to headbutt him. I was told. So, yes, my opinion was that there should have been a five-minute major uh, uh, given in that instance. But I was told and that I, was wrong. I genuinely think in the regular season, because he left his feet, we wouldn't have seen it. But that's I, – I understand why the call was made. Mm-hmm. I just disagree with it in part. Did he even – did he, he got, what, a double minor for that? Yeah. He well, got a he double got, minor for roughing. He got a double minor, but part of it was for – the fracas afterwards, not just the. Oh, um, okay. Uh, he, I think he got two for the Miller thing and two minutes for roughing for the because, stuff that followed. Because then they gave two minutes to. I forget, I forget who. what Lozon or somebody. I want to say it was two minutes to Lozon or something. Yeah, for yeah. Uh, for roughing as well. So instead of a four minute penalty, we only got two minutes. And the other third of this one is. The player must serve it, or the opposing coach can choose a player who was also on the ice at the time of the infraction. So if for some reason we'll take Orlov is unavailable for the next game, like legitimately unavailable, the coach of the Bruins would have been able to pick any other any other Washington Capital on the time on the ice at the time to serve that penalty. Um and I think that that is a I think that's a an option for taking egregious hits and misconduct out of the game that the league should conti- should consider. Uh, it may get consideration. I don't think you're ever going to see it happen, but it may come up somewhere in a in a general manager's meeting during the season or after the season. I just, I think there's going to be too many arguments against it as far as impacting a a totally separate game from something that happened in a game that's now concluded. I think that's going to be your major argument against. That's fair. I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a perfect option and I think it needs to be something. There probably needs to be another layer to implementing it. Um, but I, it's, it's, it's worth, 
it's worth at least starting a, a, a dialogue. Fair deal. Um, one of the most important questions that I think has come out of the playoffs for a for a certain team is: Is it too late? Is it this too is a late team we've what? talked about in the past. The is it too late to make the playoffs, or is it too late to rebuild the team? <laughs> too late to rebuild the team. Oh, is wait. It, you must be talking about the Penguins. I am absolutely talking about the Pittsburgh Penguins. We are so on the same wavelength. Because <laughs> at this point, Evgeny Malkin, $9.5 million left for on his, seller, on his uh, contract for next year. Mm-hmm. Crosby eight point seven for four additional for four seasons after this one. Wow. Um, and then Latang is Latang is uh, seven and a quarter for next year. Yeah. Um, arguably the most impressive defensive defenseman on the team is John Marino, twenty four years old, who next year goes from. Uh, Nine hundred twenty-five thousand to four point four million a year, yeah, off into the sunset. It gave him quite a big, quite a big raise and a, a, a good number of years. I mean, don't get me wrong; he's a good player. I don't know if he's four point four million. I worth think he, if good he's not player, worth it, he grows into it. Yeah. But what's the value? What's the trade return on a thirty-four-year-old of Ganny Malkin? Who has who didn't look like himself this year at all? Uh, who will turn thirty-five probably uh, on July thirty-first? Are you going to get back anything like what you could have gotten for him three years ago? Oh no, absolutely not. And I actually agree with everything you're saying at the moment, and I'm going to use an incident from this past regular season because Pittsburgh Penguins uh, lost their GM. He just up and resigned. Yeah. (laughs) And the belief is that he resigned and the timing works for me because he wanted to deal Chris Letang to the St. Louis Blues for Vince Dunn. And, and the story goes long term. The story goes that Lemieux, the owner of the team, shot it down because Latang was one of those players that was quote unquote untouchable at thirty four years old and seven and a quarter million dollars a year this season and next, who has modified no trade, no movement clauses. Um who eats up nine percent of your salary cap. And Jim Rutherford was told, no, you can't make that deal. So for the, this year, for the first time since the 2010-2011 season. Way beyond. For the first time since the 2010-2011 season, Evgeny Melkin was not a point-per-game player in the regular season. He was out for quite a bit of the season this year, if I remember yeah, he correctly. Missed 23 games. That would be um, 40%. Yeah, I was going to say almost half. I didn't have a good number in my head, but um, fair enough. If we go back to the 17-18 season, um, he played 
uh, he ended up producing a paltry 98 points in 78 games coming off of a, I believe they won the cup. Didn't they win the cup 16, 17? They played 25 games. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did. Oh, that was the second of back to back years. Yeah. Okay. So he can't, he was coming off of a 28 point in 25 game playoff performance following a 72 point in 62 game regular season. If you had traded him before the start of the of the 17-18 season, and this is four years ago, so we're talking 30, 31 years old. You still would have got a lot more from him than you're going to get now. Two first-rounders, a top six forward, or a top three defenseman, a second roster player, and probably a prospect are the minimum you're going to see. Versus now, you're getting a first-round pick and a roster player. Are you still getting a first-rounder for him? You're getting a first-rounder. You think so? Just on name alone, if he's going any major hockey market, you're selling 10,000 jerseys and T-shirts in the first month. You're worried about the retail. I'm worried about what I'm going to get on ice because I'm looking at this and going, okay, he played – 33 games this past season out of 56. The season before that, he played 55 out of, what did they play, like 69, 70 games? It varied by team, but yeah. yes. The year before that, 68 out of 82. I mean, he's not the healthiest player. And I'm, and I don't know that he's the most motivated player right now either. I don't think you get a first rounder for Malkin at this stage. I think purely based on name, you're getting a first rounder. It's probably going to be a team that's going to give you a late first rounder. Someone else's first rounder. Like uh, we were talking about Buffalo earlier. They might give you Tampa's first rounder or Toronto's first rounder, but they're not giving you their first rounder. He's not, he's not Jerome again. I'm sorry. Jerome McGinley, toward the end, I still would have considered a first-rounder. Malkin, at this stage, and, and McGinley was much healthier player. I I just don't see it happen. I I want to agree with you, but I, I'm i finding it difficult. I don't think he's okay, worth the so first round. Okay, so maybe you get two second-rounders okay. for him and a roster player, and that's about it. Okay, that's that that I could swallow. Um, despite the fact that he's been in the league since the end of the first of that full season lockout, um, mm-hmm. he still hasn't hit a thousand games. Nope. He was the Oh four draft drafted number two, right behind, uh, a certain other Russian <laughs> and that certain other Russian, um, Yes. Uh, that's certain. I want to say, hasn't Ovechkin played, I don't know, at least 50 more games? Uh, Alex at least Ovechkin. 50. At, at least 50. I would think. No, he's played almost 200 more games. Evgeny Melkin has played 940 regular season games. Alex Ovechkin is three games short of his 1,200th. So you're talking NHL game. 
you're talking 260 games. Yes, Melkin has more cup 257. rings. Yeah. Yes, Melkin has more rings. Yeah. Well, how? What? What kind of a supporting cast did Ovechkin have most of his career? <laughs> not much. Absolute misfits for the most part. There you go. So I'm not surprised by that number. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, and honestly, despite the fact that Washington was largely terrible for most of those years, mm-hmm. Mal, uh, Ovechkin has played 29, only 29 or so less playoff games than Malkin. You, that's that that's somewhat shocking to me, given how many of those early years Washington d- didn't make the playoffs or was punted in the first round. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we had there was that Pittsburgh Philly error when uh, Philly would run them out of the playoffs in the first round uh, regularly, but huh. it's still it's still cognitively shocking to think it think about and look at. Crosby drafted a year later has played a hundred more games. And Crosby hasn't been the healthiest himself. My, my, I, I totally agree. Is it too late? Yes. And, and like I said, Rutherford trying to make a trade and him being told he can't make that deal for a guy who's 34 years old tells me that, you know, it may not necessarily be the GM's fault, whether it was Shero or Rutherford or who's there now. I think it's Fletcher. Yes. If, and, they're, if they're handcuffed by ownership then Lemieux has no way to blame but himself. But yes, I, I completely agree. Is it too late for them? You're never going to trade. I, I shouldn't say never, never say never. It's unlikely that they're going to trade Crosby. And I've said going back, going back five or six years, I've said that if I were going to trade one of them at that time, it would be Crosby. As right. much as he's not my favorite hockey player, never has been. He's going to net you the most return. Because he's doubt. going to... Even on ice, well, at this point on ice, he's a better player. Uh, there were a couple of years where he was not. And name recognition and just... There were many years where I thought that Crosby was Crosby because he had Malkin. Uh, but, like, again, the whole jersey sales thing. If if you trade him to the New York Rangers, not that it's going to happen, but we're going to pick them <laughs> as a big market... Okay. How many bloody jerseys are they selling in the first like four days? How many? Oh yeah, it's going to set a league record. If they manage to trade him somewhere in Canada, not that, not that anywhere, not that there's any way possible it could be made to work with Toronto, but Ottawa is his home. He he's from somewhere in Ottawa, uh, somewhere in Ontario. Uh, what is it, Cole Harbor, Ontario, something like that? Um, yeah. How many jerseys and T-shirts would they sell? Would they even be able, literally, would they even be able to keep them in stock for the first month? They'd be back-ordered. They would legit be back-ordered, and the league office would be getting complaints. But even Crosby, even you, you talk about Malkin, even Crosby, Going back to the seventeen eighteen season, uh, to use your 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 pants, yes. Crosby had played in twelve playoff games, had twenty one points. Since then, they've had in three seasons this year included, they've played fourteen he, fourteen playoff games. He has three goals, 
and three assists. He has six points in 14 playoff games over the last three years. So Crosby is, is not the yeah. It's it's that yes, ship not late. only sailed, it burnt <laughs> to the waterline while it was going out of the harbor. It's stuck in this stuck in the Suez Canal. <laughs> wow, we're going there. Um, let's with, talk about uh, predictions and results. Oh, okay. I was gonna say, what's the wraparounds thing about? But okay. Yeah, let's go with the series results and predictions because we're running a little heavy on time at the moment. Sweet, let's do that. I mean, we started out the show talking about, obviously, the one series that hasn't ended yet. Um, neither one of us were surprised by Colorado. No. St. Louis just, I, I don't know, maybe they just decided not to show up. I I felt a little for Craig Berube because he had absolutely no answer for anything. Colorado just overwhelmed them. I mean, Colorado was way too fast. Yes. And it, anything that St. Louis did didn't matter. And, and as much as I may not be a huge Bennington fan, he was abused first game in the series. I think there was like, 19 or 20 shots in the first period. Second game of the series, they did the same exact thing to him. (laughs) They finished with like 50 shots on goal. It was Colorado was just coming at them in waves. It was unbelievable. Every time St. Louis made an exit from their defensive defensive, their zone entries were awful. And it's because Colorado just didn't allow it. And then they're too fast coming out of their own zone. It was Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so not surprised about Colorado. Um, let's go. Oh, I'll pull up our thing. So yeah, Islanders, Pittsburgh. I'm somewhat surprised, but not hugely surprised. I thought that 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 series was going to be fairly tight. It went six. Um, obviously it went went six. I think the better team won on just questioning the goaltending. I mean, it's just, was Tristan Jari ready for ready for it? I I don't know that he was. And as much as you got John Marino and Brian Dumoulin are probably your two best defensive defensemen. The other guys are a, um, Mm. dumpster fire in their own zone. And that's, that's even allowing for how much Latang has legitimately improved in his own zone. And Latang does, he blocks shots. He does things, but yeah, I don't, I, I think the better team won, and, and Sorokin is, is really surprising. Not surprising it, but he's coming into his own as, as a goalie. Uh, I think that it's going to make it a lot easier when it comes time to say goodbye to Varlamov. Um, Vegas in the wild went seven nights meet anti night. And there were how many overtime games in that series? <laughs> I didn't look it up. There had to be at least two or three. It was a fun series to watch because uh, as much as I hate throwing cliches all over the show, styles make fights. And 
the style differences in that series were pretty stark. I mean, you, we talked about uh, Montreal doing the rope-a-dope to Toronto last night uh, in overtime. Uh, that was that was the Minnesota Wild to Vegas all series long. I, I if they had if Minnesota had matched up against anyone other than Colorado or Vegas in the first round, I think they win. Yeah, they they played very well. I mean, if they had Talbot, played St. Louis, they would have pummeled St. Louis. There were times where Talbot was under the same sort of pressure that Bennington was under from Colorado. I mean, Talbot was facing shot after Talbot shot. was fabulous. And it, it's tough for me to admit that because I question them bringing him in as a number one. He was great as a backup when he was with the Rangers behind um, the King. And he managed to use that to become a number one in Edmonton. I believe I believe his next stop was Edmonton. They signed him to be their number one and he struggled at being the number one. And the scariest part about that series, this is year one of Billy Guerin. What's the team going to look like when he's had two or three years to put his stamp on it and get the guys on the roster and in the training room and on the scouting staff that he thinks are going to be the best contributors? By the way, does he find a way to bring Seth Jones in? <laughs> that 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 has to involve a Matt Dumba trade or Mind a or a suitor trade. Yeah. Although I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but rumor has it that Parisi is on the outs uh, in town. I mean, he was scratched for a game or two. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I can see Columbus wanting to take on that salary, but. Is that the trade that makes it work? We'll trade you Dumba, and, but you have to take uh, Parisi too. It's a lot of money, though. <laughs> yes, it is. But given the inability of Columbus uh, to get players to go there willingly, <laughs> um, the only yeah. issue is with the contract length. Uh, Parisi is probably going to be there. As long or longer than Dumba. Uh, yeah, Dumba's only got two years left on his contract, whereas Parisi's runs through the end of the 24 25 season. <laughs> Plus, he has that no movement clause, anyways. Uh huh. Um, as how did Matt Zuccarello at 33 end up with a no movement clause? I don't know. Um, so, we talked about Florida and Tampa Bay ad nauseum. Uh, Boston and Boston and Washington. We both Boston said Boston. And Washington. We both said Boston in seven, and they dispatched <laughs> Washington in five. So clearly, we underestimated or overestimated. I Washington. think we overestimated Washington because I honestly thought they just looked tired from the trade deadline on. They did, and yeah, they brought. I mean, they brought in Anthony Mantha, who skated his big body around and did a lot of hitting, but that's pretty much all he did. Yep. Because I don't recall them screaming score, score, Mantha scores. Or I, He might have. I missed them if he did. 
Uh, we talked about Montreal. Winnipeg, Edmonton. Did we overvalue Edmonton? Because yeah, I said Winnipeg in six, and it, 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 I mean Winnipeg swept Edmonton. And again, it goes back to goaltending. I, I feel bad for Mike Smith, so not entirely his fault. The defense in front I don't of think him. It's just, I don't think it was just goaltending or just defense. Name three players not named Dreisaitl, Nurse, <laughs> or McDavid that you would absolutely want to, to put onto another contender. Um, Absolutely want to put or somebody I might consider. Because I kind of like I kind of like Ethan Bear, but I like Ethan Bear too. <laughs> but like no no but brainer no, addition to no there isn't any there isn't any <laughs> on and that roster no there isn't any and that Ken, there is the bottom line. I but mean, that's something that Ken Holland will address. I mean Ken Holland built Stanley Cup winning teams in Detroit. I think he's got an idea of how to do it. I think he's handcuffed with what he's been given taking over Edmonton. And and that's not, he would, he would know that going in. He would know what the handcuffs were. So yeah, he and still he's got, accepted the job. And there's, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of open roster spots at the end of this year because Nugent Hopkins UFA, and he pretty much has to go for you to be able to afford some of your other guys. Chase on UFA, uh, 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 Korea. Um, he has, he's a restricted RFA with arbitration NS UFA, Dominic Cahoon, RFA with arbitration, Gaten Haas, uh, UFA, Kayla Yamamoto, RFA, uh, Nygaard, uh, UFA, uh, Devin Shore, RFA with arbitration, Patrick Russell, UFA, and those are just the forwards. He's got to rebuild Larson. this team. Half of the defense is UFA. <laughs> yep. Uh, Larson, Barry, and Kulikov uh, are all UFAs, um, as is Slater Cuckoo. Um, and then you've got, uh, I mean, you at least have goaltenders signed for next year. But I'm not yeah. sure if they're the ones you actually want signed for no, next year. The, the only one that might be worth keeping is a 35-plus. And he's a UFA. Um, Koskinen, I'm not even sure he's worth it. And then you still have a bunch of dead cap and retained salary on uh, between Lucic and Sakara. And, oh, wow, Benoit Pouliot. They finally get out from under the rest of his contract at the end of the season. Looking at some of the non-roster players, I'm thinking they might have a chance to at least try to make the team. <laughs> Between the taxi squad guys and yeah, some of the young, uh, some of the young guys uh, on defense. I mean, wasn't I think a couple of these uh, right defensemen were guys that were reason were drafted reasonably high. Uh, Nima Linen. Uh, rest of the results. Yeah. Uh, who haven't we? we did, Nat, oh, Nashville and Carolina. The one the one playoff we haven't talked about yet. That was a gimme for me. I I want I think that 
my pick, and I did pick Nashville. I think that was more of a I picked with my heart instead of my head. I think deep down I know that the Nashville run is unfortunately coming to an end. I mean, they still have Roman Yossi, they still have Ryan Ellis, but they don't have the uh, out. They don't have the horses up front that they. Uh, Their forward core is. Duchesne yeah. is not. Duchesne is not the Duchesne that played in Colorado. Even if he was the Duchesne that played in Colorado, he's not a playoff performer. He never has been, and at this point, it doesn't look like he ever will be. And so, if you're building around him, you're building it wrong. I don't think they're. I don't. I and I think that Poyle recognizes that. I mean, yeah, you've got Philip Forsberg who just keeps doing Philip Forsberg things, and he's going to. Luke Cunning looks like a decent player uh, that they got from the Wild. Uh, he was in the deal for. Um, it was a deal with Chicago, wasn't it? Luke Cunning? Yeah. I forget how they got him now. Er, anyway. Doesn't matter, but. Uh, and they, irrelevant they, they just, to they still they they don't I mean Craig Smith is obviously here. Uh, I mean you got Rocco Grimaldi. Uh, I mean it, it's just not the same team. And yeah, the windows closed or pretty damn close. Ryan Johansson at 28 doesn't look like the same Ryan Johansson when they got him from it's Columbus. Wild, sorry. What? It was the Minnesota Wild, but kind of yeah, from the Wild. No, Ryan Johansson just doesn't look like the Ryan Johansson that played in Columbus when they traded Seth Jones for him. So is Ryan Johansson just beaten down and broken physically, or is like Taylor Hall, he's just emotionally spent and really, really done? Taylor Hall obviously wasn't really, really done. He's just been playing in subpar organizations all all his career. Yes, but how about Ryan but, McDonough? Eh? No, 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 not uh, Ryan. I mean Ryan Rohanson. Yes, he just hasn't. The last two year, last year was injury plagued. Uh, only played in sixty eight games. Oh no, wait a minute, that was pandemic. So he played in all the games. It looks like sixty eight. A <laughs> uh, year before that, he played in eighty seventy nine. So actually, it's not an injury thing with him. He's been fairly healthy. Pretty damn close. Um, he's just, his numbers have dropped off. Never been a huge numbers guy looking back at his career but now, he's, though. he's nowhere near as good as he used to be. I, yeah, I'm just not seeing it. I, I Maybe a change of location will be good for him. I One more try. I mean, he's only been with two organizations, so. I think him going to a contender could be really big if someone can make it work yes okay i just i wanted to see them get there i I think you say saros as the goalie of the future and the future is now obviously i think you say saros is going to be really good pecorine is i'm gonna guess he's retiring i mean the way they played the last regular season game and let him start in the game that he had and the way he was skating around the rink and they had the lights dimmed and so i'm pretty sure that pecorine is calling it a day so they'll have opportunities they'll have opportunities to rebuild and poil i think is one of those gms that you can trust to do it right i i would like to i hope so 
Um, so we've we've got the results from the well, the results from almost all of the series. Mm-hmm. Almost all, yes. We're still waiting on. <laughs> we're still waiting on one team in the in the. What so are it? we Scotia Bank North? Scotia you have, you have our predictions for that uh, Habs Leafs series, right? Yes. What were they? Uh, you have Toronto in six. I had Montreal in seven. Yeah, I uh, I think so, well, obviously it's going seven games. <laughs> if if I were allowed to change my prediction, I'd probably have Hobbs. Because Toronto just doesn't seem to have a real answer for the for Montreal going ahead. They're fine when they're front runners, but they go down and they stay down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do let's you, do you want to do predictions real quick, or yes, do you want to? Okay, so we are really heavy on time at this point. Right. Um, Looking at the bracket, starting top left, Vegas, uh, Colorado. Vegas, Colorado. <sighs> oh, and actually might be a pretty good series to watch. That that may be <laughs> the best playoff series in the past 10 years. Um, and I think I have to go Vegas. Uh, I think one, they have depth at goaltending. So even if, even if Flurry just fills his pants uh, in two games in a row, they still have a legit number one guy they can toss in net and roll from there. But number of games, no, I can't predict that because either one of these teams is capable of rolling over anyone in four <laughs> games. Anyone. I was I actually gonna. I was actually gonna say Vegas, although. Uh, uh, the more I think about it, the goaltending, Grubauer is playing really well. Uh, I'm going to stick with my pick for Vegas. I think they have. I think they have a, a better defense. I think they're just better balanced overall is my reason. Like, yes, you've got some gorgeous firepower up front for Colorado and no Makar cannot be underestimated and their defense is super fast and highly skilled. But do they have the grit to, to, to win a series like this? That's a completely different question. Uh, I'm not when, call, and I'm not calling them soft. I'm not, but okay. Um, I don't think either team is Winnipeg versus, well, it's still unknown. <laughs> well, okay. I think Winnipeg against Montreal probably comes out with Winnipeg winning. And you know what? I, I might actually pick Winnipeg in either case because I think that there's going to be an emotional hangover for either of the teams uh, from the East. Um, and that, you know, they're going to have that two games of, oh my God, we just played the most important series of our lives and won. And in two games, Winnipeg is capable of going up 2-0 on anybody. If they can pummel Edmonton that hard when Edmonton is healthy and trying. I think Montreal would have beaten Edmonton, though. <laughs> I think the Rangers would have beaten Edmonton. Oh, I definitely I'm pretty sure that Rangers would have beat Edmonton. Uh, I think that Winnipeg wins regardless of who it is. 
Um, I just think that their goaltending is, I think that Hellebuck is a better goaltender. Uh, although Carey Price is playing like, again, Carey Price of, of past. And Shea Weber said it a lot. You know, Carey Price has just been outstanding. Uh, but I think that regardless of who comes out of that series, I think Winnipeg still wins it. Uh, Tampa Bay, Carolina. People are going to hate this one. Mm-hmm. They're going to think I'm nuts. Carolina, six games. I just wrote. I just wrote that under my name. It's same number of games, same team. <laughs> and partly. Uh, I, I mean, it, I just think that they're better. I think they're better rounded. I think that. I think they're better rounded. Uh, I think they're healthier right now, and I think that. They have the better coach. And yes, I said that out loud. And then the last series, which apparently is, which uh, not apparently, which has already started in Boston has a one, nothing lead, but Boston versus the Islanders, Boston six. And I just wrote that under my name. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Likely story. Boston in six. I could change it to five or seven, but. I don't. I think it's going to go six. I, I. It's funny because. And last thing for me, I think that they had the pre-game, pre-series thing on on Nesson here in New England, and Raycroft, uh, Andrew Raycroft, the uh, uh, the former goalie, was was asked to predict, and without hesitation, he's like Boston in five, and I just said, okay. Can you start taking the medication again? Because I don't think, although. That was before I watched last night's game, and if last night's game is any indication, it could be a five or or even – I don't think it's going to be a four. I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think the Islanders are going to at least win at home. But the way that Boston was camped in front of the goaltender, and both teams play that way, but Boston does it better. Boston is just that good at getting in front of the net – screening goalies, tipping shots. It just, yeah. Boston. And I genuinely think they have, I think it's clear that they're a better offensive team. Yeah. Well, the, if the commentators are to be believed, nobody can stop the Raptors line. So <laughs> I don't think they called them the Raptors line though. Yes, but I can't say that other word. You can, it just hurts a lot. It's wrong. <laughs> well, that's also true. <laughs> the perfection line. And as I said earlier, Barry Trotz even called them that. So they are a very good line and they have very good chemistry. <laughs> they And as I said, they might actually manage to make it into the Hall of Fame as that line was probably that name which i will greatly enjoy seeing and want to gag at it any point when i actually have to say it but yeah and on that note boys and girls we're done it was real it was fun uh but it's playoffs time and fun enough we that we're gonna do it again fun enough that we're gonna do it again next week have a great day everybody okay take care